Um, lest they stand in together as we read from the Word of God. So today's reading is from Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 through to chapter 2, verse 5. So if you do want to open your Bible, feel free. <clears throat> Paul's labor for the church. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in my heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom, all are, hidden, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much, Em. Do you take a seat? Let's pray as we open up God's word together. Jesus, we thank you that you're here with us by your spirit. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift that it is to us. And I pray, Lord, as we sit under it this evening, as we delve into your scriptures, that you would speak, that you would be transforming us into more of your likeness, Jesus. We pray that you would be glorified through this time together. We love you, Lord, and we bless your holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, good evening, everyone. My name's Emily. I'm one of the student pastors here and part of this six o'clock service. And it's really quite moving to be together, actually, and preaching to you on a Sunday. The last time I preached and here on a Sunday in person was the last Sunday that we were all together before we went into lockdown. So I'm just, wow, what a gift it is that we can be back together. And um, as was said earlier, we're going to be continuing on in our series in Colossians. So if you do have a Bible, have it on your phone, please keep your Bibles open. Um, we'll be in the end of chapter one into the beginning of chapter two. And uh, just to let you in on a little secret here as we begin, um, quite often as I come to prepare a sermon, as I look at a text, um, I tend to send our pastor of theology, Simon Ponsonby, a quick email uh, to check his thoughts on the passage, just to check I'm kind of on the right track uh, as I'm digging into a text. And uh, he very kindly sent me um, some of his notes on this passage. And what really struck me, actually, as I looked at some of his notes on um, this passage was the date at the top. I haven't asked him if it's okay for me to share this, so hopefully he won't mind. But he's, it's, the date was 2005, and I thought, wow, Simon's, maybe it's just me, I'm not very organized, but he's got notes from 2005. Um, to which I, I said this to him, I said, wow, you've got notes from 2005. And he said, I've got notes from 1987. 
And um, that's before quite a few of us in here were born. Why am I telling you this? Well, partly in, to just honor Simon for his faithful preaching. Um, he's still very much saying the same thing then that he's saying now, so we just praise God for that, um, which I'll come on to more of that in a moment. But actually, it really hits home as to some of what we're looking at this evening. Now, in our context, um, kind of goes without saying, we're in a bit of a time where no one seems to have a clue what's going on, where it feels like things are changing so much, where there's hardly any consistency, be that on a national level, as the government's trying to work out what to do, or on a local level. Things like weddings being postponed, trips being cancelled, job uncertainty, schools, kids in and out, students, just this past week, the amount of times we've tried to arrange things and then someone's tested positive there in lockdown, just constant changing, changing targets. Will we be able to be in church? Will we not? Like we're running on quicksand. Uncertainty is the dominant mood of the time. It could almost be said that everything feels like a bit of a mystery as we're trying to work out what's going on. We find ourselves looking in different directions Asking, where is God in all of this? What is he saying? And as we read our passage for this evening in the book of Colossians, Paul is also writing about a mystery, but a very different sort of mystery. A mystery that he has been commissioned by God to present in all of its fullness. He says in verse 26, This mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed, to the Lord's people. He's not talking about a mystery in the sense of an Agatha Christie murder mystery type Bible, an elite club that only some people are part of. No, a mystery from ages past that is now an open secret. Not just any old bit of news, but that which was withheld from angels, glimpsed by the patriarchs and the prophets throughout the Old Testament. That mystery has now been made known among the Gentiles. That's us, anyone not born of Jewish descent. And so as we consider, what is God saying into us today in the context of our kind of chaos and confusion and uncertainty? Well, to quote what I read that Simon had said in relation to this passage, he said, people often ask ministers, what is the Spirit saying? What is the Spirit doing? I always answer the same, the same as always, revealing Jesus as Lord and calling us to love one another. And everything else is a footnote. And Simon may have been saying this since 1987, but the truth is Paul's proclamation of the mystery of mysteries is something that he never got over. And still 2,000 years later, here in Oxford or wherever you might be listening to this, this message today, if you hear nothing else from tonight, remember this, the grand secret, the mystery of mysteries, the glorious riches of the mystery that has been unveiled to the whole world that Paul has been sent to proclaim is in verse 27 where he says, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this, this changes everything. It's the truth that Paul rested his whole life upon the truth that he was willing to endure sufferings for, to even rejoice in sufferings, as we read in verse 24. It's because of this grand mystery that has been revealed, Christ in us, the hope of future glory. And that's what I want to focus on this evening as we look at this word together. It's why the New Testament is called the New Testament. It's what has been revealed to us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
So let's begin with Christ, our starting point, as Paul proclaims the mystery, that Christ is the mystery. He's the essence of the mystery himself. As we read earlier in Colossians, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is the, his before all things, and in him all things hold together. In Revelation, we read, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. As Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, said, the infinite became an infant. He took on human flesh, and for him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death on the cross. Through suffering, he bore the penalty for our sins, reconciling us to God by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And Paul, the great preacher, commissioned by God to present the word of God in all of its fullness, everything he said and did was crammed with this mystery, with the gospel. And just as Paul was proclaiming this foundational truth to the church back then that was being tempted to look in other directions and other places to find answers, adding wisdom and knowledge to the gospel, well, God is speaking the same truth over us, his people here today. Christ, it's all about him. If you're here this evening and you're perhaps still just getting to grips with the whole church, then you're exploring who Jesus might be. Can I can invite you to consider Jesus? Perhaps sign up for an Alpha course, talk to someone about it. He is the foundation. He's the beginning of what we build everything else on. He's revealed himself to us. It's an open secret. Christ in you. You see, Jesus Christ isn't just a philosophy or a teacher to be admired from afar. No, the next part of the mystery that's been revealed is Christ in you. When grace happens, Christ enters in. No other religion or philosophy makes such an astonishing claim. No other movement implies the living presence of its founder in its followers. Yes, we believe the truth, Christ for me, Christ with me, Christ ahead of me. But something I think we so easily forget is that Jesus came first and foremost to make his home in us so that we might come home to him. Paul actually refers in scripture to the indwelling of Christ in our hearts over 200 times in scripture. I got into a conversation with someone just a few days ago, um, actually at the gym randomly, but anyway, about Eastern philosophy, and he said this, he found it so fascinating, he said, I feel like 90, I don't know why he said 95%, but anyway, 95% of everything I say doesn't really mean anything. I feel like a shell, I feel hollow inside. I know for me, my own life at university, back a few years ago now, um, coming to the end of myself before I was a Christian, recognizing that same feeling, that emptiness, that hollowness in my heart. I could see the benefits of church um, to my family, to people I admired, people I cared about. But honestly, I thought someone like me couldn't just start going to church. I was convinced that in order to come back to God, I had to first sort myself out. How wrong I was, that's the complete opposite of the gospel. The world can offer many things, but the one thing it can't offer is redemption, is grace and mercy. And this is the glorious truth of the mystery that Jesus came to reveal. Our Christian life begins with the discovery of what God has provided in Christ, not on the basis of our own works, but on the finished work of the cross, according to the riches of his grace. I remember as I came into this building, 
coming to the first time to church for the first time in a really long time. I remember exactly where I stood in between those two pillars. Meeting the love of God in Christ Jesus, just being hit by this almost wall of love. God meeting me in my sin and shame. It was in that moment that I experienced what it is to invite Christ into my life. Christ flooding me with his love, his light, his forgiveness. And I was thinking about this the other day, actually, as I was walking um, down near Cowley. There's a road called Divinity Road from the sort of top of where the Brooks campus is down onto Cowley Road. And I remember so clearly the next day going to university after coming to the church for the first time, walking down, believe it or not, Divinity Road, and the sun was shining, and I just had this moment of knowing that I was connected to the creator of the universe, of knowing that light inside me. There was wholeness in my heart. And it's honestly so tiring to try and be a Christian without Christ. You see, the great secret of the Christian life is Christ himself, Christ in us. That's how we keep on Divinity Road, how we keep walking faithfully. I imagine in a room like this, uh, we're in Oxford, that many of you might speak other languages, or perhaps English isn't your native tongue. Um, I've had some pretty bad, bad language faux pas, to be honest. I keep trying to learn languages, and I'm not very good at it. I think I once in France managed to tell someone that I was a plaster as I was trying to offer to pray for healing for them. But unless you're completely fluent, no matter how hard you try and speak another language that's not your own, it doesn't just come spontaneously. You have to force yourself to kind of work out the sentences in order to speak in that other language. But when you speak in your own native tongue, it just flows out of you. Nothing could be easier. Even when you're sort of distracted and forget what you're doing, you'd be able to just speak that language. It's part of who you are. And I think in many ways, this is what it is to have Christ dwelling in us, to let his resurrection life flow out of us. If you like, his language becomes our own. Like I said, trying to be a Christian in your own strength is really difficult. Trying to live a good moral life, trying to be kind to work colleagues that you find frustrating, trying to be generous when you think, I can hardly afford to get by, trying to be gracious to your family when you get home exhausted from work, trying to be more humble when everyone else is trying to push themselves forward, trying to be more compassionate when you feel numb to the suffering, trying to be pure and holy when there's so many temptations, Flip, it's really hard. I feel like I can be a Christian for all of about two seconds if I try and do it in my own strength. But that is the glorious gift of heaven. As Paul goes on to say in chapter 2, he talks about his, him contending for the church and why he's just so desperate that they get to know this glorious mystery. And he says in chapter 2, verse 2, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, and in verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Whatever challenges or trials you might be up against today, rest in this beautiful knowledge that if you've put your trust in Jesus, if you've given your life to him, that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are in Christ are available to you. You see, God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. If we give our lives to him, he raises us to new life with him. His precious Holy Spirit dwelling in us, his life-giving power and presence at work within us, empowering us to live freely and lightly. That is why we proclaim Jesus. 
That is why Paul's not giving up even in the face of persecution. He's literally writing this letter in physical chains. And this week, as I've just come back to this foundational truth of Christ in me, I've just found myself being more aware of being able to surrender things like unforgiveness or frustrations onto him to say, you know what, Lord, I can't forgive in my own strength, but I can rest on your forgiveness. I can't love the way I want to love, but I can rest in your love. And it's in that place that we rest in the ocean of his love that we can lean on him, yielding to the Holy Spirit. Watchman Nee, a great Chinese preacher from the early 20th century, he said this, he said, Nothing is so hurtful to the, Christian, to the life of a Christian as acting. Nothing so blessed as when our, our outward efforts cease and our attitudes become natural. When our words, our prayers, our very life all become a spontaneous and unforced expression of the life within. Have we discovered how good the Lord is? Then in us, he is as good as that. Is his power great? Then in us, it is no less great. Praise God, his life is as mighty as ever, and in the lives of those who dare to believe, the word of God, the divine. And this evening, wherever you're at, however you're feeling in your Christian life, rest on this truth of Christ in you. I encourage you to perhaps repent of areas of self-sufficiency and to bring them to Jesus, to lean on his power, to lean on his strength. Christ in you. Which brings me to the next part of the mystery that has been proclaimed. The mystery, and to be honest, I could say so much on this next part, but I just want to draw out a few thoughts on it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. With everything in our world feeling like it can just be on demand at any moment, we can click and pretty much have access to anything. I think we often think the same thing when it comes to our Christian life. Yes, we have been freely given all the riches of Christ, but we're on a journey of maturing, of becoming who we were created to be. And often it's through the trials, through the suffering, through the unexpected circumstances, that we really begin to grow in the Lord through times of pressing that new wine is being formed. And I think today, more than ever, our world doesn't want soundbite answers but people are looking for real hope, something to make sense of the confusion and emptiness. Going back to verse 24 at the beginning of this passage, Paul says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. It seems like a slightly strange verse, because there was nothing lacking in Christ's afflictions, in relation to his death on the cross. That was the finished work. But what was lacking, I believe, was the future suffering of all who, like Paul, would experience great affliction for the sake of the gospel. That through his life and ministry, if you like, Paul held out Christ's sufferings to the Colossians. Personally, he was offering an extension of Jesus' work on the cross for the sake of the gospel. And this is the kind of crazy truth that for those who have put our trust in Jesus... Let him dwell in our hearts through faith that we can now be part of revealing the mystery of, of God to people who so desperately need it. In this time of suffering, you can offer Jesus his love, his word, his compassion, his love, his healing, his mercy, 
his joy to those who are lacking. We've just heard about the work of ACT, about Susan in prisons, about the feeding of the homeless. But there's so many other faithful men and women all across Oxford today, working in hospitals, schools, the police, in the workplace, in our families, ministering Christ. We're called to not only enjoy Jesus, but to share his love with those who are in need. He is the hope of glory. Duncan Campbell, um, a preacher who was part of the Hebridean revival, in his book, The Price and Power of Revival, he said this, After all, the greatest contribution you or I can make to the cause of Christ is the impact of our unconscious influence, and that influence impregnated by the life of Jesus. The power, the dynamic of a, the, power, the dynamic of a God-possessed personality, let that loose, and revival is at the door. A baptism of holiness, a demonstration of godly living is the crying need of our, day, of our time today. The question is, how do we demonstrate more of his glory? How do we let more of his life flow in and through us? How do we live lives impregnated with Jesus? Well, in verse 5 of chapter 2, Paul writes, um, using words that are often used in relation to military kind of terms. He, he writes using the words good order and firmness to encourage the church to be like troops in battle, to stand firm in and amongst all of the confusion that I was talking about. What I want to say today is that as the enemy seeks to rob us of the truth of who Jesus is, of the hope that we have in him, all he has is fake news. He does whatever he can to make us doubt the goodness and the character of who, who God really is and who us as the church are being built into. C.S. Lewis, in his great allegorical book, The Screwtape Letters, um, where he's writing from the perspective of an older demon trying to train a younger demon and how to, to tempt a Christian, he writes something really profound. He writes this, One of our great allies at present is the church itself. Do not misunderstand me. I do not mean the church as we see her, spread out through all time and space and rooted in eternity, terrible as an army with banners. That, I confess, is a spectacle which makes our boldest tempters uneasy. But fortunately, it is quite invisible to these humans. It's challenging stuff. But this is why we so need to stay grounded in the word to be like troops ready for battle, to see the church as God sees her, spread out through all time and space, rooted in eternity, to spend time with the one whom you're becoming like. And the more we trust and obey his word, the more we get to, as our rector Charlie used to say, get into the glory, the more we spend time in his presence, in fellowship with one another, the more we get to participate in the suffering and the glory of Christ. And the most incredible freeing thing is that in our own strength, we're not big enough, we're not strong enough, or even spiritual enough to do the work of God. But he is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God is more than able. He was victorious on the cross, and he will complete the work that he is set to do. Elsewhere, Paul writes, and this is one of my favorite verses in 2 Corinthians, he writes, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. 
We have this treasure in jars of clay. And often the more broken we feel, the more aware of our need for God, the more of his glory can be on display, like a cracked jar. And there really is no limit to what God can do with a life that is fully laid down for him, a a life that is laid down for his glory. Don't stop short of his glory, beloved church, because the hope of glory is the fulfillment of God's promises to restore all of creation. And this isn't just wishful thinking. This isn't just holding on firmly as much as we can. No, it's a confident, expectant faith in eternity. But we live in the now and not yet. We might not get to see it necessarily all of this side of eternity, but Christ's spirit in us is a deposit of his guarantee of the future glory to come. When one day we will see Christ face to face. Christ in our hearts means an eternal perspective beyond what we see today. This is the great mystery of the universe, of, that, God, of God, that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph would take up his residence in and among us, uniting us together with him. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus who was being preached in 1987 and 2,000 years ago that one day the whole earth will be filled with the glory of the knowledge of God. So don't shrink back. Don't turn away from him. Stand firm. Proclaim the word of God. This is, a, I believe, a really important time in the, our culture, in our lives right now, where we're going to be tempted to look to the left and to the right. But God is looking for those who, offering, who are going to offer their whole selves to him. Make yourself available to the mystery of mysteries. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We're going to have some time now to open our hearts to the Lord, to respond in worship, and to allow the Holy Spirit to minister these truths to us. So can I invite you to stand, and I'll pray, and then if the band could come and... Just wherever you are, you may want to, as a sign of just opening yourself up to Christ, coming in to being the Lord of glory in your hearts, to just open up your hands, to be in a posture of whatever it is that you want to open yourself to him. Jesus, we thank you that in all of your glory and all of your splendor, that you entered into the brokenness and mess of this world. That no one is beyond your mercy and your grace. And we thank you that all across the earth today, that you are calling people back to yourself. I thank you that there's always more of you to know. And I just welcome you now, Holy Spirit, to come and Breathe upon us to fill our hearts with the love of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Maybe there's areas that the Holy Spirit is just touching on that you feel you need to 
surrendered to the Lord where you've been trying to do it in your own strength. Just enter into his rest this evening. Come, come make your home among us, Lord Jesus. We welcome you here. Thank you, Jesus. Just continue to make that prayer yourself.